let's take our Bibles, if you will, and turn to the book of Genesis, and chapter number 18. It's good to be able to get back together after the COVID. You know, when they first came out with social distancing, six foot, I thought it meant at home, too. I couldn't keep my wife away from me. We wore out three masks before we figured it out. You ever try to kiss with a mask? Some of the old timers said, blah, 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 blah. Some things really uh, that are worse than COVID Heard about a fellow they served papers on, and he looked at him and thought that he had tested positive for COVID-19. They took him to jail, and then he got there, and he said, now, if you're taking me to jail because I tested positive for cocaine, why are you doing that? Or for, I give it away, didn't I? <laughs> COVID-19? He said, no, so you didn't test positive for COVID-19. You tested positive for cocaine on the 19th. Well, I'd rather have the vice than I would the virus, wouldn't you? I was uh, in Kentucky preaching. A fellow there that had a farm, and he said, I love to watch the nature of my animals. And he said, uh, I've got a flock of bobwhite quail. And he said, I was out there one day watching them in the pen, and he said they did something unusual. They lined up in military form, two lines. And then he said they began to fluff their wings and they moved forward hurriedly. And he said, I wonder what in the world are they doing? He said, just in a moment, a snake slithered out the side of that pen. He said, I realized that what one of them little birds couldn't do by itself, they could all do together. And I believe that's why God wants us together. I believe what you receive from the Lord and what I receive from the Lord, we can come together and we can share that. And God can use it. Yesterday, we looked at this matter of making space for what you've got, not so much what you're going to get. She didn't need anything, she already had it. And oh, if we could realize what he's already given us, we can live out of that. But this morning, I want to look here in Genesis 18. I'll begin reading in verse 1. I have to read the entire chapter. I hesitate, but it just is a must. I'll do more reading than I do preaching. But I want us to notice how that Abraham makes space, time, and margin for God. How he is so ecstatic and uh, he is so thrilled to realize that the Lord, capital L-O-R-D, Yahweh, has shown up at his tent. And you can notice in all the verbs that we read down through here that he is so excited 
And it is seen in his actions. It is seen in the attractions. It's seen in his attitude. He could think of no one that he would have rather showed up that day than God. Making space and room for God. Let me say in the beginning, and if I remember it at the end, if you miss God, you'll never know how much you've missed. Verse 1, And the Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre, and he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day. He lifted up his eyes and looked, and lo, three men stood by him. When he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself toward the ground. He said, My Lord, if now I have found favor in thy sight, pass not away, I pray thee, from thy servant. Let a little water, I pray you, be fetched. Wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. And I will fetch a morsel of bread and comfort ye your hearts. After that, ye shall pass on. For therefore are ye come to your servant. And they said, So do, as thou hast said. And Abraham hastened into the tent unto Sarah and said, Make ready quickly three measures of fine meal, knead it. Make cakes upon the hearth. And Abraham ran unto the herd and fetched a calf tender and good and gave it unto the young man and he hasted to dress it. And he took butter and milk and the calf which he had dressed and set it before them. He stood by them under the tree, and they did eat. And they said unto him, Where is Sarah thy wife? And he said, Behold, in the tent. He said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in age, and it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I'm waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? And the Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I surely bear a child which am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. And Sarah denied, saying, I laugh not, for she was afraid. And he said, Nay, but thou didst laugh. And the men arose from thence and looked toward Sodom. Abraham went with them to bring them on their way. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham the thing which I shall do, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him? For I know him that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. And the Lord said, Because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, because their sin is very grievous, I will go down now and see whether they have done according altogether according to the cry of it, which is come up unto me. If not, I will know. 
And the men turned their faces from thence and went toward Sodom, but Abraham stood yet before the Lord. And Abraham drew near and said, Wilt thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? For adventure there be fifty righteous within this city. Wilt thou also destroy and not spare the place for the fifty righteous that are therein? That be far from thee to do after this manner, to slay the righteous with the wicked. And that the righteous should be as the wicked, that be far from thee. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? And the Lord said, If I find in Sodom fifty righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sakes. Abraham answered and said, Behold now, I have taken it upon me to speak unto the Lord, which am but dust and ashes. Peradventure there shall lack five of the fifty righteous. Wilt thou destroy all the city for the lack of five? And he said, If I find there forty and five, I will not destroy it. He spake unto him yet again and said, Peradventure there shall be forty found there. And he said, I will not do it for forty's sake. He said unto him, Oh, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak. Peradventure, there shall thirty be found there. And he said, I will not do it if I find thirty there. He said, Behold now, I have taken it upon me to speak unto the Lord. Peradventure, there shall be twenty found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for twenty's sake. He said, Oh, let not the Lord be angry. And I will speak but yet this once, peradventure ten be found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for ten's sake. And the Lord went his way as soon as he had left communing with Abraham. And Abraham returned unto his place. I'm interested in this context of which the very heart of Abraham is interested in this visit from God. He has made space. He has made room for him. Can I say to you this morning, if you've got room for the Lord, he certainly has room for you. He made room for us in time, and he also made room for us in eternity. He made room for us down here. He's got room for us up there. He made room for us in creation. That's why we're here. But thank God I'm glad he made room for us in salvation. That's what the cross is all about. There is room at the cross for you. Three or four simple things that I want to emphasize out of this matter of making room for God. The first thing I notice is that God comes to Abraham to manifest himself. It is a matter of revelation. He wants Abraham to experience him. He wants Abraham to know him. I'm glad as a 14-year-old boy, when God showed up, I knew that was him. And the many times since then that I've been able to know that he has shown up again. And don't we love it when we leave the house of the Lord and we're able to say one to another, wasn't the Lord real here this morning or real here tonight? 
He's interested in coming to our place, to come to our house, to step into our world and manifest himself so you will know beyond any shadow of a doubt that that was the capital L-O-R-D. A couple of things that I would emphasize in this matter of his manifestation. Abraham's making room for God, but in doing so, he's making room for the manifestation, the revelation of God, the experience of God. I notice that in doing so, God shows up to Abraham in an ordinary way. He comes ordinarily. Did you notice that? As Abraham looks out of the tent door, he does not see what appears to be angels. He does not see what would appear to be flaming fire. You would think that if God was going to show up, he would come in an extraordinary way to get your attention. But more times than not, when the Lord comes, He's interested in coming with what I would call a human touch to it. Abraham is able to see that though these look like men, one of these is God. He appears and comes in a human fashion or in a human form. I began to realize as I studied the Word of God that anything that God ever does for you, it will have a human touch in it. Think about it. Jesus himself came and was born in a body. He lived his life in a body. He performed all of his miracles in a body. He was on the cross and died in a body. They put him in the tomb in a body. He came out of that grave in a body. And he still sits on the right hand of the Father in a body, interceding for you and for me. But if we're not careful, we will miss God because we're looking for him always in a supernatural way, in a, uh, in, in a very uh, a way of which uh, it's kind of like the 4th of July or, or it's New Year's and all the fireworks are going off. But yet when God comes... He will come into your presence on many accounts. And as I said, everything he ever does, somebody said, oh, but I just got saved by simply reading the word of God. But it was human hands that God used to pen this book, though it was divinely inspired. And think about in your life, even right now where you're at, of those human instruments that when they walked into your life, As the Bible said of John, a man sent from God. That God was walking into your life in that form. As we come to the house of the Lord, God has ministered to us in song, but it was through human vocal cords and human lips. God has delivered to us his word, but it was through human hearts and human lips and human minds. Anything that happens here that God does for you will have a human touch to it. 
He comes. He comes in the ordinary. And aren't you glad that he does? He comes walking is what he does. He comes eating is what he does. He comes talking is what he does. I mean, not far from you, God may be sitting in the form of someone else and that what God has done in their heart, he's allowed them to minister to your heart with that. Everything I've received from heaven has come through a human heart, a human vessel, someone God has employed. Don't miss him. The reason that the Jews and the religious crowd of that day crucified Christ because they couldn't realize God could inhabit a human body. And they never saw that he was the son of God. They only saw him as ordinary. Ah, he's so ordinary. His mom and dad is here. He's so ordinary. He's got brothers and sisters. He's so, he's so ordinary, but he was God. <laughs> that wife may be ordinary, but she may have some God in her. That husband may be ordinary, but may have some God in her. I mean, he may speak through a child that may have some God in them. And as I go from meeting to meeting and week after week, one of the things I love to do after service is shake hands with those that I have ministered to and inevitably before the week's up, God will have one of them say something to me that I'll know that that just wasn't them. That was the Lord. He may be hanging around pretty tight. He may just be outside the tent door, but he may be ordinary. He comes in the ordinary. But you know why he does? He's coming to the ordinary. There's nothing extraordinary about you, Abraham, Sarah, or anybody else. Somebody said, well, it looks like God would have come, you know, and glowed a little bit or shined a little bit or, or you know, there'd been something little extra special. He, he came in the ordinary and he was coming to the ordinary. He didn't even dress up. Didn't put on no wings as he made his journey. Why? He was coming to the ordinary. <laughs> the ordinary may be walking into your life and you're just ordinary if you can realize this is God coming in this ain't just John it's God coming in this ain't just Joseph going to Egypt this is God coming in Joseph to Egypt is it alright if he doesn't want to scream if he just sort of leans over and whispers to you. He manifests himself. And if all you can experience of God is, is, the, is the, the ecstatic and, and that which seems to be super duper and, and uh, that which seems to gleam and glow and, and things of that nature, you're going to miss him most of the time. He hardly ever comes running through. He walks through. If you can recognize him, he may say something to you today. 
don't miss it. Because you don't ever know what you're going to miss. The manifestation of the experience of God. And it so humbled this ordinary man to be in the presence of an ordinary God who shows up in shoe leather. He said, that, you know, to wash your feet, take your shoes off. But he says in verse number three, and my Lord, if I have found favor, he said, God, I want you to know, I realize this is an act of grace that you come to me, you come to where I am, and you come to when you do. Come to my tent. He don't mind walking right into your real world where the rubber meets the road. He loves to travel that way. If you can see him, if you can hear him, he'll just be ordinary. Coming in the ordinary, coming to the ordinary. And aren't you glad he likes to come your way? The second thing I would emphasize in this matter of making room for God, you're making room for the ordinary. You're making room for a manifestation, an experience with God. But you'll have to see that it is God. But I noticed in this text in that he makes room for God. He's not only making room for a manifestation, a revelation, an experience, but he's making room for a meal. God is not only coming to be experienced, he's coming to eat. You did read that is the capital L-O-R-D. And Abraham is inviting the capital L-O-R-D to eat. And we notice in the text, the capital L-O-R-D does eat. That shouldn't be so unusual. I realized when I thought of it, looked at that, that God loves to eat. He must be Baptist, all I know. Read the New Testament. Jesus ate so much. The Pharisees said, man, he eats with sinners, he eats with saints, he eats with everything. All he's interested in doing is eating. He's a glutton. He loves to eat. But you know, in Bible times as well, his time's not far gone that on a farm, so to speak, Dinner or supper time was the time for the family to come together and, and sort of commune and talk over what they had in common. That's the word fellowship, what they got in common, a oneness, the farm. And they sit there and, and talk about what has happened during the day, during the chores that evening, what they're going to have to do after the eating, maybe what they're going to have to do tomorrow. They're coming together in fellowship. Abraham is interested in picking God's brain. He said, Lord, if you will, I've got time. And I will spread a table. And we can sit down and we can, as the scripture said there in verse number 30, we can commune. 
Can you imagine Abraham sitting across the table face to face with the Lord, the eternal self-existent one, talking to God while God's eating? Wow. God coming where you are to do what you do and being a part of it. I felt him in so many unique situations. Felt the Lord when I laid down on my I felt him when I got up. I felt him driving down the road. I felt him while I was eating. <laughs> Why, wow, you can feel him. He loves to come into those real situations in your life. If you're just waiting on God to show up when you're sitting in church while somebody's preaching and singing, honey, you're going to miss him. He might want to go hunting with you. <laughs> he might want to go fishing with you, Mom. He might want to help you clean the house, or he want he might want to be there while you're cooking. He might be want to be in those mundane things. He's coming for a meal because he wants to get in on what you're doing, so you can get in on what he's doing. You can talk about it in these areas that you wouldn't normally think you could talk to God. <laughs> huh? What about that? I love it. And see old Abraham, wait a minute more. Excuse me, let me get this off my mouth. I hate to talk with my mouth full. Huh? You read the text. If that ain't God there, I don't know who is. He's coming to a meal. A couple of things leaped out at me as far as this meal is concerned or this eating, this fellowship. That seems to be all unique. All this seems to be unusual, out of the ordinary. I notice God comes to Abraham's tent. He knows ahead of time he's going to Abraham's tent. He's God. He knows that Abraham's he knows it's going to be eaten with Abraham. Don't you think it would have been proper and decent for God to at least brought something to the meal? He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. The old fellow said he owns the taters in there. Look like he could brought something. Here is what I want you to notice in this showing up and making room for God in this meal. I noticed that Abraham had to pay for all of it. The cost of this meeting fell on him. And he wasn't interested in having a cheap meeting. Are you hearing me? He wasn't saying, Sarah, I've got any of that warmed over chicken in there, or maybe some of that leftover pizza. See if you can't get it. Cut the, I mean, if there's any mold on that bread, cut it and slice it up. Hurry up, God's here. We're going to have to feed him. No, he begins in urgency to have prepared a meal for a king. Can I say to you, a meal for a God? <laughs> he said, get the cheese, get the meal, get the kind, get the lamb, get the bread, get it all together. 
Well, I hope he don't stay long this time. Oh, he's so excited God's there. He's putting everything into it. Can I say to you, if you have a meeting with God, if you have a meeting like we've had this week with God, you have a, he don't ever bring anything except himself. I told you yesterday, that poor lady, I mean, she went to the man of God to get. And did you notice? He didn't even take up an offering for her. He sent her back and said, Sister, you already got it. Huh? But here, God didn't bring anything to the meal. He don't bring nothing. Except himself. You say, why? Because he had already given Abraham everything he needed to have a meeting. If you want to have a meeting, you can have the kind of meeting with God individually or whatever that you want because he's given you enough spirit. He's given you enough grace. He's given you enough peace. He's given you enough love. He's filled you with everything it takes to have a meeting. You're the one that's going to cost. And now if you're interested in, you know, making it short, not putting too much time into it, let's just have Saturday night meeting so we don't, you know, give us all day Sunday to do something else. Yeah. Or we'll go to the early service so we can do everything we need to do afterwards. No, Abraham is so thrilled that he has made room. He's putting his all into this meeting. (laughs) Now, I don't know how it works. I know Abraham, God came to Abraham and he went back. But since I'm doing the preaching, I'm going to do a little imagining. He gets back to heaven and Gabriel said, well, Lord, where'd you go this time? He said, man, let me tell you about it. I went to Abraham's. I ain't never eat like that before. Abraham's the only man that ever knew what God liked to eat. He watched him. Pass me some more of that gravy, Abraham. Man, I love them cathead biscuits. Pass that meat. I'm going to say, I'm God. I need more than you. Is he eating? You tell me. I can't explain that, as the old mountain man said, but I know it's true. He ate. Jesus ate after the resurrection. I mean, we're going to eat when we get to heaven. We're going to eat God. <laughs> but honey, if we're going to meet with him and eat, it's going to cost you somewhere along the way. He's already given. He's already given through the cross everything you need. Let's have maiden. I noticed that this meal cost, I noticed the cost of it. It's a little odd. If God comes, he won't. No, listen, God ain't going to come walking through there with a Bible. 
He ain't coming in here with a songbook. He ain't going to get up and preach and he ain't going to sing. He ain't, he's done give us all we need to do to have meeting. But not only do I notice the cost, I notice the spirit or the comfort of this meeting. It's a little different also. You know, we always get together and we're thinking, what's God going to do for us? I hope he blesses us and we should desire his blessing. But you know the Bible's filled with the truth of you blessing him. That's why it's called a service. It's us coming to minister. That's what it said in the book of Acts where uh, uh, Barnabas and Paul's together and said they, they got together to minister to the Lord. <laughs> Woo! Abraham, notice how he talks to him in this matter of comfort. Verse 4, let a little water, I pray thee, be fetched and wash your feet. Lord, you're at my house and you feel free to take your shoes off. And rest yourself. When's the last time you got concerned about how God feels? Huh? That's when you really have a meeting, when you come zeroed in on how God feels. <laughs> Notice it. Rest yourselves under the tree. I'll just throw this in. If you have a meeting with them, there'll always be a tree nearby. He said, I will fetch a morsel of bread and comfort ye your hearts. Hey, God, would you, would you just sit back while you're here now? I'm a, I'll take care of everything. I'm going to get everything together. And all I'm concerned with is that you rest. And, and I want you, Lord, if there's anything here that bothers you, if there's anything here that's quenching you, if there's anything here that's grieving you, if there's anything here that's not satisfying you, Lord, just let me know because I want you to feel at home at my house. Letting God feel at home at his house will allow you to feel at home at his house. I'm just wondering, what in the world do we have that would entice God to stay around a little while? It's a manifestation. It's a meal. It's a time to experience. It's a time to eat. The cost. Holy Spirit, thou art welcome in this place. Third thing I would point out to you matter of making space a room for God, making space for a manifestation and experience of God, a meal, eating with God. But I won't read the, the scripture, but it begins in verse number nine on really down through the rest of it. 
But what he is doing is he's making space and time for a message from God. The Lord is coming with a word, an exhortation. If God ever visits you, he's not only going to show you who he is and fellowship with you, but he's going to let you know something. He comes with an inspired word. He comes with an all-important word, a delivering truth. Aren't you glad for the times that God has spoken to your heart out of his eternal book forever settled in heaven? Here's what God said. He comes with a message about Abraham's family, a message about his friend Lot, a message about his future. Do you have time for what God may want to say to you when he shows up? He talks to Abraham about Abraham. He talks to Abraham about Sarah. He talks to Abraham about Isaac. He talks to Abraham about Lot. He talks to Abraham about Sodom and Gomorrah. He talks to Abraham about things that we would have never known anything about unless Abraham had had time to hear what he had to say. Now, he tells him two things. First of all, he tells him what he wants to hear. Don't you love it when God comes to you through preaching, through his word, through a song and confirms, reassures you of what he's already told you? <laughs> he's done met with Abraham two times and told him he's going to have a boy. Abraham had some real doubts about that and here comes God again to visit him, to talk to him. The first thing he says to him is, Abraham, I done told you this once, I've told you this twice. I come to tell you again, I want to reaffirm to you the promise I've made to you. I want you to know it's coming to pass. That's what worship's all about. That's what preaching's all about. That's what singing. We didn't come here this week to learn some new theory, something we ain't ever heard. We want the old story confirmed again. I want to know I'm washed in the blood again. I want to be able to thank him. I've got a home in heaven again. I want to praise him for the promises. This book is to tell us and tell us and tell us what he's already told us. That's why you don't have to be real smart to be an evangelist. He ain't never told anybody over four or five things. You get out of the bounds of that, you're just fishing. Huh? I travel this country, as I say, every week preaching somewhere. Well, I preach the same thing every year. And they still want to hear it. Nobody's ever corrected me on it. Huh? I never went into the church and preached to that church and said, Jesus died for you. And they said, we heard that. Can you give something else? 
Never went into a service, brothers. You just preached on the second coming. And the real church said, you know, we're tired of that. I mean, can we have something? Ain't you got something new? He was buried and he rose again the third day. Oh, man, there we go again. No, honey, if those four or five things ain't in that sermon or that song somewhere, you're out of the boundaries of what God wants you to know anyway. He's just going to come by and say it again, say it again, say it again, say it again. I just go say the same thing. But see, now I may do it in Genesis or I may do it in Revelation or I may do it in Mark or New Testament or something. But it's just four or five things. You can find them in there somewhere. I ain't got nothing else to say. When I leave, I love it because they'll take me by the hand and sometimes in tears they preach, will you come back and tell us the same thing you told us this year? And they pay me for it. I get an offering for saying the same thing. I ain't going. I ain't got nothing new. I'm sorry. There's no new theories. No new revelations. I ain't got none. But I can tell you he's God. I can tell you he loves you. I can tell you he died for you. I can tell you he come up. I can tell you he's a winner either way. Only problem is I'll have to come back next year and tell you the same thing. <laughs> but I don't mind that. And I don't think you do either. I think that's what, what Abraham wanted to hear. He said, Abraham, I've come back by. Now, the, I ain't forgot that boy. That's the main reason I'll come by and tell you. It's coming. It's coming. I got a Bible somewhere. Comes in handy when you're preaching. <laughs> and you preachers know that, don't you preach? And you say, you know, I'm just saying the same thing. Well, I don't want to hear it if it ain't. He tells him what he wants to hear. Oh, I love it. When he reaffirms those promises, those truths. But he also tells him what he doesn't want to hear. He obviously loves his nephew. He's already went down there and delivered him one time. And what he's hearing is his judgment where his nephew's at. He don't want to hear that. But I'm going to tell you something. God sometimes has to tell you what you don't want to hear. But may I say it to you for Abraham and for Lot. What he doesn't want to hear is as important as what he wants to hear. We have to hear the whole counsel of God. Because of its divine importance... On so many levels, we need a word that we want to hear and a word that we may not want to hear. Now I'll say this in passing, and I'm not going to get any amens out of you husbands. And I don't blame you. I'd be too nervous myself. He may sometimes even tell you when your wife's lying. 
I told you I wouldn't get an amen. Of course, that works vice versa. He might tell you, sister, when your husband's lying. Did you notice it there in the text where Sarah laughs and he said, your wife just laughed about this. She said, oh, no, I didn't laugh. And of course, he's not, he's, not, he's not the ordinary Baptist preacher afraid he's going to get fired if he confronts something. He just says, oh, yes, you did lie. That ain't true. God may let you know some things that you need to know on a deeper level. Ever rode down the road, turn the radio on, the guy get to preaching and the Holy Ghost say, that ain't right. Yeah, that's right. Often said my wife could work for the FBI anyway. I remember back when we was young. I'll hurry on the last thought. She... We made an agreement. We didn't weigh 150. I didn't weigh 150 pounds. She weighed probably 110. We'd agreed on a diet. That don't even make sense. But I said, okay, we'll go on a diet. Here's what we'll eat and we won't eat. Had to go to the hospital in Nashville from Spruce Pine area, coming back, and you know, man, them hunger pains will get you on that first day. Stopped at Joe House, that general store I mentioned yesterday morning, and I just walked in there minding my own business, and there was a candy bar. <laughs> and it just come over me. I said, you know, I could get that candy bar and eat it real quick and do away with that wrapper. It don't take long to down one of them with them almonds in it. But I thought, you know, I'm going to have to have something to wash out all that out of my teeth because I'm going straight home. Minding my own business, right there was a Mountain Dew in the cooler. I reached in, got the Mountain Dew, I ate that thing, and I mean, I, I squished that back and forth in my teeth and everything like that. I got home, I thought, man, I got that covered. Walked in the door, she came out of the laundry room, this is unusual, so she walked straight up and kissed me. I still thought I was in the clear, she backed off and said, you've been eating chocolate, ain't you? I said, how do you know? She said, I smell it on your breath. <laughs> Woo! Making space for God will make space for a manifestation. It'll make space for a meal. It'll make space for a message you can't do without. We need it! But I notice in verse 23 on down through verse 33 is that what God did while he was there with Abraham, he tells him about this lot ordeal in Sodom and Gomorrah and it throws a blanket on the conversation and of a burden on his heart. What he is doing in this visitation, he's employing Abraham and pulling him into the ministry. If he comes by, it's because he wants to use you. Now, you won't realize it to begin with, but now he does, when he's done talking, you'll say, are you talking to me, Lord, about this? <laughs> and before you know it, he's got your attention. On something he wants you to do. Maybe as a missionary to some island somewhere. Or the call to preach or to give some money or to go visit somebody. All of a sudden God's been talking to you in that communion and bam, it hits. And you got to do something about it. 
He pulls him into the ministry of prayer. I often say, and I believe this to be true, God will never do anything, nothing, but what he has somebody somewhere praying about it. That's just the way he works. If he's going to stop the rain, Elisha's going to pray about it. If he's going to send the rain, Elisha's going to pray about it. Somebody's been praying. And Lord is in a dangerous situation. And God wants somebody to intercede. And he begins to pull at Abraham's heart. And before you know it, Abraham is praying. I mean, he's called into a ministry of a passionate prayer, a persevering prayer, a persisting prayer. I mean, a prayer for one in trouble. When God stirs up a burden, you can't hardly lay it down. But he's a you work with him for the kingdom's sake. And I have never been a motivational preacher. If God don't tell you to do it, I don't want you to do it. Because I don't want to run around pumping and priming all the time to try to keep you doing it. I love it when the Lord gets down in that heart with a visitation. A lot of these churches in this country, I'm going to tell you, they're operating off of motivation. And they give everybody a guilt trip if they won't do what they think needs to be done. God wants this done, you do it. You do it. (laughs) He ain't told me to do it. (laughs) Now that may hurt some of them situations. But it's still true. Abraham finds himself in a passionate prayer. And if you want to know the importance of it, when they go down in chapter 19, those two angels lead him out. As they're leading him out, the Bible said, and God remembered Abraham. God wants to have a visitation with you because he's wanting to deliver somebody else and he wants to use you to do it. He wants to pull you into it. Now, fixing the clothes. Did you notice how Abraham talked to God? That's unusual too. You wouldn't have thought that you could talk to God like that and get by with it. It's almost like he's an auctioneer. Using math on God. And I hear 50, 50, 50, 50, how about 45, 45, 45, 30, 30, 30, can I go 30, 30, 20, 20, 20. And, and you'd think God would just get mad. And he said, okay, we'll go 50, okay, 45. If you want 40, okay, we'll 30, 40, 20, I mean 10. Notice how he talks to God. Verse 25. That be far from thee to do this manner, to slay the righteous with the... God, I can't believe you'd even think of something like that. And that the righteous should be at 
as the wicked that be far from... Shall not the judge of the whole earth do good? Do right? Now, he ain't the only one that's ever talked to God like that. Elisha's sitting in that cave, and the Lord said, uh, said Elisha, what are you doing? He said, it looks like you ought to know. You're the one that's put me in this fix. I'm the only one that ain't bowed the knee to Baal. Jonah talked to him that way, sitting out on the side of the hill. I know what you were going to do. Moses talked to him that way when he wanted Moses to just take over and get rid of this. He said, I ain't doing that, God. Because if I do, all, the, all these countries around here, they're going to think that you ain't even God. I ain't doing it. We somehow in our little religious minds think that when God shows up, what we need to do is up our vocabulary. Oh, dear, precious, awesome, high, and holy God of the throne of the eternal. And he's thinking, would you shut up? I know who I am. I've come here to talk to you about what's going on in you. I want to hear from you. I've been working in your heart. Go ahead and tell me what's going on. I love a God that you can tell him what's going on. That's why he comes. Now, I like that song he hadn't disappointed me. As a matter of fact, our, I mean, the Phillips family is like our youngins. We've been close to them since they were almost born. And I love that song. But I'm going to be honest with you. He has disappointed me a time or two. They've been some things he's done I still ain't figured out. And he don't say nothing about it. I guess maybe he'll talk about it when we get to heaven. If he don't, it won't make no difference then. But I'm going to tell you, Jonah was disappointed. Don't get all religious and say, Oh, Lord, you've never done anything to displease me. Really? <laughs> That'll break that little religious stuff going on. He didn't come back there by you to get you to tell him how you doing. You ever shake hands everybody? We all do it. We lie every service. How you doing? Doing good. Man, I'm dead is what's wrong with me. I don't even feel good. My back's hurting me. I'm lucky to be here. Really, you didn't even want to come. How you doing? <laughs> but you can't tell God that without him knowing it, so you might as well just break loose and say, Lord, matter of fact, since you asked, here's how I feel. I'm going to tell you something. The reason why a lot of folks don't talk to him that way is they don't know him well enough. I mean, if you're going to talk to God like he talked to God, you'd almost have to be friends. Did you hear what I said? The Bible said, I believe on two occasions, that Abraham was a what? Friend of God. Aren't you glad Abraham, when God showed up, didn't close the tent door real quick and say, Sarah, keep Ishmael quiet. God's here again, and you know, I've got to get my nap. It's the heat of the day. And then I've got to go out there and do all that other. I wish I had time, and you know he's going to want to eat. Shh. 
looked out the tent door and he said, Oh, God, Lord, would you just hang out here a while? If you want to hold somebody, you want to hold a Baptist preacher, offer him a meal. He'll stay around. Lord, I don't care how much it costs. I'll get it all together. Whatever you want, that's what I'm going to get. And Lord, I want you, all I want. I know people ask you to do things all the time. I'm not going to, I don't need nothing but except I want you to be pleased. I want you to be relaxed with what's going on in my life. I done told you he ain't going to bring nothing anyway. He's done give it to you. And then he walked him all the way out. <laughs> Stand up here, young man. Did you see Abraham with God? Abraham's, uh, God's walking. He knows where he's going. Abraham's going, now, Lord, boy, I didn't talk to you. We can, can you, you know? You can be seated. He said, I don't believe he does. Well, he's a friend. I don't know. How close can you get he wants to be that close. Children, listen to me. Drain all this religion out and get real with God. Amen. Let him come and get close enough to you'll know he's been there and talk to him. What if he had not had time? Look what he had missed. What if he hadn't had time? Look what Lot would have missed. Do you realize what hinges on whether you got any time for God or not? You never know what you'll miss if you miss That get-together is a little out of the ordinary, but it's reality with God.